many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Superhumans, Boomer Anderson here. Back from two absolutely life-changing and epic weeks in California. Today, we're having a Decoding Superhuman first, and that is a repeat guest. Yes, round two with a guest on the Decoding Superhuman show. The topic is going to be, again, the ketogenic diet, and one of the reasons why we're going so deep into this is because I almost feel it feels a little bit like Bitcoin circa December 2017. There's so much attention on this diet, and I just want to really dispel myths and bring truth to all of you so that if you're going to approach this diet, you approach it in a manner that is informed, educated, and smart. So my guest today is Christy Vlad, and Christy Vlad has a master's degree in civil engineering. He's self-taught in genomics, nutrition and biochemistry, machine learning, bioinformatics, cybersecurity, and rational thinking. In short, he is one smart dude. Christy is the author of seven books, including Ketone Power and Periodic Fasting. Those are the books I came to know him by. And what I really love about Christy's work is his scientific approach to his experiments. Uh, right now, he's doing something called the Keto Carnivore Diet, which you can follow all of that on his Instagram. And we really get into some of these things as well. So what did we talk about today? We talked about fat bombs and particularly why they may or may not be good on the ketogenic diet. We went into, at special request of some of you listening, exogenous ketones in more detail. Specifically, are ketone salts crap or are they worth your time? And really, the main focus of this episode is how not to do the ketogenic diet. We want you to be smart. We want you to be educated and informed as you approach this because it can be a life-changing thing if you do it right. You can also screw it up pretty easily. The show notes for this one are to be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Christy, that's C-R-I-S-T-I, two as in the number two. So that's decodingsuperhuman.com slash Christy2. Enjoy the show, superhumans, and have an absolutely epic day. Sponsor for this episode is The Ring on My Finger. No, I'm not married yet, and frankly, before this ring, I hated wearing rings. But... I must say, the guys at Aura have done a great job. The Aura ring allows me to track all sorts of crazy things about my sleep, including my resting heart rate, my deep sleep stages, my REM sleep, etc., etc. I really enjoy the feedback, and it allows me to make lifestyle decisions to become a higher performer. Let me give you an example. So prior to getting the Aura ring, I would fast essentially 16 hours after my last meal. It didn't matter when that last meal was. However, when I look at my resting heart rate and how that really correlates to my performance the next day, I know I want my lowest resting heart rate coming as soon as possible after going to sleep because that's when all my recovery really starts. So what did I do? Well, it allowed me to adjust really when my last meal was before going to bed. So I have my last meal now earlier in the night. I get better sleep. I get higher quality sleep. And I must say the next day feels amazing. So if you want to check out the Aura Ring, and if you want to pick one up yourself, go to AuraRing.com. That's O-U-R-A. 
a ring.com plug in the code boomer and you'll get $50 off your order or 50 euros depending on your jurisdiction. I really hope you enjoy the ring and on with the show. Christy Vlad, welcome back. Hello, nice to see you again. Uh, this is a pleasure and I have to say you are the first repeat guest of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. So Welcome back. That's an honor. Thanks. You know, the the first episode was so well received. I, I was telling you earlier that I got questions and really um, some not so friendly th- statements around uh, some of the, uh, the content last time. So I really wanted to have you back on to continue to further dispel and really make make truth out of the ketogenic diet. So I guess, Christy, with that, do you mind sharing what you had for breakfast this morning? Well, yeah, sure. Uh, right now it's uh, about 10 a.m. here, so I didn't have anything for breakfast yet. I usually mostly never have breakfast, so my first meal is at 1 to 2 p.m., so I'm still fasting. So you mean that we don't have to eat breakfast as humans, is that right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, uh, it's just what I do. I know that many, I know this is a controversial topic uh, about breakfast being the most important meal of the day, but I don't know. There are many people who skip it nowadays and they're just fine. Christy, in the first episode, we talked really deep sort of fundamentals, ketogenic diet 101. And for those listening, if you want to go and check out that episode, uh, I encourage you to. But Let's start with a little bit on food quality when it comes to the ketogenic diet. How important is food quality when going to the grocery store? Like, can I just buy junk or what, as long as it fits the macros or what do you think? This is an interesting topic. So in my opinion, and I should stress that this is what I currently think, maybe I'm going to change my mind in the future, but uh, right now I think that food quality, even though it may sound somewhat like a heresy, if I can put it that way, is important, but it's not as important as some orthorexics or Puritans or people who stress about food sourcing and food quality. Uh, It's not as important as they think. Uh, Seriously, you can have all the high quality foods you'd like if you sleep like shit. And excuse my unofficial language, or if you don't move, like if you're a sedentary person and you're stressed out every day and you actually do nothing about that. So food quality may help, but if all of these other uh, aspects of your life aren't being paid as much attention as they need, uh, food quality isn't going to save you. Like for example, Right now, I'm on a carnivore ketogenic diet. And, you know, people ask me if I only eat grass-fed beef and uh, free-range eggs and uh, fill in with uh, whatever your desired marketing word for uh, organic is. So actually, no, I eat conventional meat and eggs that you can find at the local store. Now, the situation may be different depending on where you're living. Uh, Here in Romania, it's it's not the norm to have uh, hormones injected into your meat and all that crazy stuff uh, put into your produce. This, like I said, this depends on where you are. 
there are some, of course, but you can buy actually here, you can buy affordable meat and animal products with no organic labels, you know, like I said, what I do is to try to inform myself uh, of the company that produces the food that I'm buying. So I'm doing like a bit of a background research on the company that uh, I buy their products uh, and their operations. But other than that, I don't stress too much given that food quality is only a small part of the overall picture of health. Look, I, I completely that really resonates with me, Christy, because I think there are aspects of what you said that really relate to what I do and, and sort of upgrading the whole human system, right? If, if we don't move, it's not great. If you don't sleep, it's probably worse. If you have really crappy hormones because you're stressed out all the time, that's it, pretty bad, right? So I, I think your point about looking at one area as sort of in isolation is very well said. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Now, let's, let's take a step back. And actually, before we do that, can you define carnivore ketogenic diet for people? Because I know you just mentioned it, and some people may not be familiar with the actual carnivore diet. Okay, so uh, carnivore ketogenic may be an oxymoron, but I like to specifically say carnivore keto. Usually when you're on a carnivore diet, uh, you eat a lot of meat and it should imply that it's a ketogenic diet, but you could make it more ketogenic by uh, balancing the ratios of fat to protein. So people who kind of eat more lean cuts on the carnivore diet may have lower ketones. They aren't kicked out of ketosis. They still show like, ketones maybe in uh maybe they're in moderate ketosis like 0 0.7 0 0.8 to 1 point something but if uh, i say carnivore keto my focus is on having uh, a balance between fat and protein so that i would have uh, my blood ketones like more elevated maybe in the two plus millimolar range so that's why i'm calling the carnivore keto and the carnivore diet uh, depending on who you're asking is uh, First of all, for everyone, is an animal-based diet. So you only eat, uh, you primarily eat meat, and some people eat eggs and some cheese. So this is basically the carnivore diet. But the most pure form of the carnivore diet is actually only meat and water, and that's it. Now, like I said, there are people who kind of adjust it, include some eggs and cheese, which is the type of carnivore diet that I'm... Uh, doing right now okay going back to sort of ten thousand meters if you will before sure. you go keto what labs or any sort of labs people should run because i mean i have views on this but i would love to hear yours definitely so yes uh i do some uh thorough lab work before attempting any type of change uh, in in my diet so uh first off i guess i have a lipid panel including HDL, LDL, trigs or triglycerides, total cholesterol. And for the more expensive, so for people who can afford the, I should also get into particle size. Yeah. So LDLP and all that stuff, uh, which may kind of better reveal uh, the health uh, snapshot of the person. So aside of the lipid panel, I'd also probably do some vitamin D, testosterone, free and tall testosterone, estrogen, estradiol, 
maybe homocysteine, uh, thyroid markers, uh, liver markers like uh, AST, which is uh, aspartate uh, alanine transferase, I guess, AST, and ALT and the renal function. Mm-hmm. There are many, uh, depending on your budget. I'd also do a complete blood count and a urinalysis. Even though this may seem much, most, uh, most of these, uh, I guess they could be covered by, by an understanding personal care practitioner. I guess even if you'd pay for them, for these that I mentioned, they shouldn't get too expensive, uh, which is why I actually do here. So I don't go to my doctor because they wouldn't understand why I need an HbA1c because maybe they don't test for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so another one would be the uh, glycated hemoglobin uh, inflammation markers like highly sensitive C-reactive protein. That's what I do a lot of the time. So these are kind of the basics. But, you know, uh, there are people who always want more like um, those who would invest in a genetic assessment like uh, 23andMe or even a full genome sequencing. But if you go into that, then you kind of get into the burden of having to interpret these results. So uh, you have services like Prometheus who do that for you to a certain extent, but still, if you really want to be granular, you'd have to hire some specialist to to, uh, interpret it or do it yourself. At this point, I don't really believe in the relevance of um, microbiome assessments. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. You know, simply because, and I used to think that, uh, oh, uh, microbiome, that's so really important, that's so relevant. But recently, I've seen people on the carnivore diet, to be honest, uh, and they are people who are obsessed with uh, self-quantification and self-experimentation who have experienced, and this is counterintuitive, they have better diversity in their biomes compared to when they were eating a lot of plants. So I guess there's too much noise at the moment into interpreting this type of stuff. Yeah, I think, Christy, all of that is extremely well said. I think on the hormone panel, if you get like sex hormone binding globulin too, that Definitely, can, yeah. That can yeah. help. And then, uh, you know, if, if anybody out there wants to talk genetics, I'm happy to. Because, uh, you know, that's some of the things that we do separately. But I completely hear you on the microbiome because, and maybe a a side question real quick. Do you think there are just too many testing companies out there and just so much noise? Because whether it's, I got somebody who forwarded me a genetics test the other day for uh, what type of shoe I should be wearing. Oh, really? (laughs) And and just seems to me. Whether it's that or the, you know, whether or not your kid's going to be a good soccer player or something like that. It just seems to me that there's like 10,000 companies out there and very few are actually providing real services. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, like any other field, it's, it's becoming a lot of marketing as well. So uh, it's not bad there that there are many companies because uh, those that aren't actually competing really well are gonna get excluded from from the pool so uh, you'd probably always shoot for the top something like i still think that 23andme and the other few that are on the top should you should probably go for them they only look into snips 
they only look into single nucleotide polymorphism. So they only look at certain locations in your genome, which it's probably sufficient at the moment, but if you'd really, you could also do full genome sequencing, but I'm not really sure who at the moment, or I'm not really sure if there are many specialists at the moment who could interpret. Uh, maybe they would take years to kind of try to find something relevant in, in a full genome sequence. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that is not known, right? And I think that's important to acknowledge. Okay, let's go, let's go back into that conversational domain called ketosis. Does the type of fat matter that a person's intaking? So if we look at the ketogenic diet and say you need to be, what, 65% or above in terms of yeah. fat, uh, does the type of fat matter? Well, I am inclined to say that yes, but with the caveat that any type of strategy can be adapted. So what do I mean by that? Let's talk specifically about uh, the APOE status. So APOE um, is a gene that codes for the apolipoprotein E, which deals with the transport of fats inside the blood, inside the body. We have genome-wide association studies and other types of uh, clinical research that, that have found that APOE status is correlated with uh, different mental uh, diseases, and probably one of the most relevant is Alzheimer's disease. And what happens with APOE and Alzheimer's disease, it has been found that people who carry a certain, uh, a certain genotype of APOE uh, produce or uh, have a buildup of amyloid plaque, which is toxic in the brain, and that kills uh, brain cells. But anyway, uh, in terms of gene variation, there are three types of APOE um, so you, you have the E2, E3, and E4. So these are the alleles. And each person carries two of these alleles. You get one from your father and one from your mother. So you, you can have any combination of E2, E3, E4, like E2, 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 E3, and so on and so forth. I think, it's, uh, I think there are like six types of different combinations that you can have. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, uh, there are genome association studies for these combinations. Uh, for example, these studies have found that 15% of the population carry E4. So E4, E4 would be the worst combination because it's been widely associated with pathology. If we're talking about E4 in the context uh, of the ketogenic diet, I guess uh, there can be a uh, compromise. So we have experts saying that those who carry the E4 genotype, they should avoid saturated fats. And some of them even suggest for a low-fat diet, so they should probably avoid the ketogenic diet for this purpose. But if you really want to be on the keto diet and you carry the E4 genotype, uh, like I said, you can do a compromise and adapt the diet to your genetic status and probably get most of your fats from uh, like non-saturated fat sources. Like, for example, you'd be eating a high monounsaturated uh, fat diet. And you can get more specific if you search for uh, E4 and APOE and uh, the ketogenic diet online. I guess there are guides to do uh, the ketogenic diet with a high E4 status. Now, most of the people, from what I know, most of the population uh, is in uh, the E3 genotype. 
is either E3, E3, E2, E3, or E3, E4. So E3 is considered, uh, from what I know, the normal genotype, and E2 and E4 are um, the variations. Probably the most uh, the people who are most protected are those who carry the E2 genotype. So they have E2, 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 E3, or E2, E4. Uh, these are kind of on the lower side of risk of developing like Alzheimer's and cardiovascular disease. But I guess uh, there is some negative uh, to the E2 genotype, and I'm not really sure if uh, a lot of people know about this. Like, for example, there is a rare genetic disorder called hyperlipoproteinemia type 3, which happens in, so like I said, it's very rare and happens in a very small portion of those who carry the E2 genotype. But I guess that's, that's really on to the genetics we're, side of it. We're getting exotic there. I think yeah. um, one of the things that I, because I'm 2-3, right? And it one of the things that I've actually found interesting in the research is elevated levels of triglycerides in those people. But with all of this research, we can link to some of it in the show notes that people can go absolutely nuts over. Because it, it is, I mean, particularly with 3-4 and 4-4, four, four, I do think saturated fat is something that pe- people should pay attention to. Yeah. Regardless of your of your APOE genotype, uh, you can adjust and you can make compromises if you really want to be on a specific diet. Exactly. And I think just having that knowledge will provide people that certainty, right? That they are selecting the right fats because the last thing you want to do is do all this work, be in this state and blow yourself up. Yeah, and there there are people who see uh, really bad lipid panels on the ketogenic diet, and they haven't looked into the APOE status, so that might be an avenue for those. Mm-hmm. And I know, uh, particularly just sharing my own story, you know, for me, dairy has uh, an adverse effect on lipids, and just by flipping out of dairy or no cheese, which is unfortunate because like cheese tastes so good, right? Like yeah. it's just. It's an absolutely amazing food, but if I have it, I just know that I'm going to see a spike in some particle sizes, let's say. Okay, so we talked about the type of fat and why that matters. We talked about food quality and why that matters. One of the more controversial things that we talked about last time was exogenous ketones. Right. Let's let's talk about how to use these well. And because I know, and I've seen on your Instagram, you play around with some ketone esters recently. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about how to use these well and really how not to use these well. Because I do think that there is room for these in certain types of people, whereas uh, for others, it may just be problematic. But do you mind sharing your opinion on that? Definitely. So, uh, like you said, we've discussed about this, but I guess uh, since there's a lot of hype uh, on exogenous ketones right now, there's never too much discussion. So uh, I'm not going to go over the definition of of, uh, these exogenous ketones. I'm simply going to say that, in my opinion, ketone salts are worthless. So this is my this is my current um, opinion on ketone salts, and you should focus on ketone esters. I may be biased uh, towards this because I have recently experimented uh, with a ketone ester in my CrossFit training, uh, and 
like you said, I not only posted about the about it on Instagram, I also posted about the entire experiment on my YouTube channel. So um, I'd be using these exogenous ketones, specifically ketone esters, for um, sports performance, regardless of the diet. But the caveat is that you'd have to follow a different protocol of taking them or using them if you're on a high carbohydrate diet compared to if you are keto adapted. If you're on a high carbohydrate diet and you take 60 milliliters of ketone ester, which would probably be 30 milliliters of beta hydroxybutyrate, it's very likely that you're going to get hypoglycemic. So in this case, you'd also have to take some glucose along with your ketone ester. Now, uh, the situation is different. Like for myself being keto adapted, uh, I took 60 milliliters of ketone ester and in about 15 minutes, I guess, my ketones went from 0.8 to 4 point something. Uh, and then after about an hour of taking the ester, my ketones were in their five uh, millimolar range, wow. which kind of mimics a seven day fast. Uh, but my blood glucose was uh, stable in its 70s. So blood glucose went from 80, I guess, to 70 something. So uh, that would be a different protocol. So you'd kind of have to adapt uh, taking these esters. Uh, like I said, I, I'd be using this stuff for sports performance and also for cognitive uh, benefits. Uh, this would be uh, probably the well-being side of it. But there are many more applications like, uh, for example, these can be used also in pathology for uh, alleviating or uh, helping uh, people with conditions with different mental disorders like people with Parkinson's. They could get a lot of help from taking uh, ketone esters. I've seen people using uh, MCT oil and coconut oil uh, and getting uh, alleviation from their mental conditions. And then when they went into a more ketogenic oil, like uh, the caprylic acid, which is uh, C8, mm. which is uh, the uh, fatty acid, it's a medium chain triglyceride. And it's been, uh, it's probably the most ketogenic and uh, people have seen better alleviation of their conditions compared to uh, an unpurified coconut oil or uh, an MCT oil. Mm. So uh, I could only suspect that if they would, if they'd be taken uh, ketone esters, I suspect they could see even more improvement in their, in their conditions. Mm -hmm. So um, to be honest, I'm really looking forward to how this, uh, this type of field is going, especially, especially in terms of ketone esters um, as they get cheaper, because right now you could say that they are expensive, but they aren't as expensive as they were. Mm -hmm. Just to give some people some price perspective here, because I know there was a time when like esters were just unreasonably priced. What's like the current going rate on, I don't know if you classify it as single serving, month servings. Uh, well, uh, yeah, like you said, maybe in the beginning they were in uh, uh, to kind of uh, synthesize uh, a portion of uh, ketone ester, which is uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate-1,3-butane diol, uh, would be uh, maybe in the tens of thousands of dollars. And 
right now, I guess the ratio is closer to one dollar per one milliliter i guess so it, you you can get probably you can get 100 milliliters of ketone ester maybe for a hundred dollars and you could probably use that over that wouldn't be two servings you could even maybe divide it in 10 servings so you'd get maybe ten dollars per serving of uh, and the serving would be of 10 milliliters and you could still see more benefits compared to a generic ketone salt mm -hmm. in terms uh, first of all in terms of your circulating ketone levels because that's that's uh, that's probably the best marker of uh, the efficiency of an exogenous ketone how much does it influence your circulating ketones which in turn influence the other physiological and psychological effects mm -hmm. understand so just uh in short, going back to the ketone salts real quick versus ketone esters. Uh, the ketone esters has a more lasting impact on your body. Do I have that right? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Perfect. All right. So we've gone we've gone through the exogenous ketones now, and now I want to go over to the nutrition side, because um, I was recently told about somebody taking a fat bomb that was uh, basically bacon uh, wrapped around an Oscar Mayer hot dog. Uh, what are your feelings on fat bombs? Maybe if you don't mind defining a fat bomb for people who have not heard it before, uh, in terms of both what are your feelings on them and what are their sort of long-term impacts of the ketogenic diet? Sure. Uh, well, a fat bomb would be some food that's almost exclusively made out of fat, so which has a high uh, ratio of fat to the other macronutrients, maybe very little protein and probably no carbohydrate. You, you could have a fat bomb uh, made of, I don't know, coconut oil, some uh, sweetener and some cacao powder uh, and some other stuff. I don't know. Uh, but I don't think they really serve a purpose and we should probably go to the beginning when uh, the ketogenic diet started getting uh, traction in terms of popularity. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, there were some uh, influencers in the ketogenic community, which was uh, much smaller back then. And they kind of pushed the wrong message the idea of the ketogenic diet is that you don't have to eat fat to be in ketosis. The only requirement to be uh, in ketosis is to restrict carbohydrate. Okay, but these influencers were saying that you have to get your fat in for the day um, and you have to reach some magical number of grams of fat per day to appropriately be in ketosis. And that's actually where this uh, whole fat bomb BS bloomed. <laughs> and then you have people eating these types of uh, fat bombs and they are actually wondering why they aren't losing fat. In short, I should just say that forget about them. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Okay. For the vegans out there, is it possible to actually be in ketosis? Maybe. So vegan keto. Um, yeah, what does that even, what does that look like? Because I'm picturing lots of olives, but. <laughs> well, uh, I think it could be possible. And I'm going to be honest here. 
I guess I tried it at some point. Uh, I tried experimenting with uh, this stuff. I was fasting for religious purposes and uh, I was fasting about two or three days per week, like Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So uh, for this type of fast, I would actually have to avoid all animal foods. And that's a bit ironic right now when I'm only eating uh, a carnivore <laughs> diet, uh, which is an all animal diet, but I digress. So um, I also wanted to stay keto. And the foods that I was eating were uh, nuts, a combination of nuts like peanuts and all that stuff, uh, uh, macadamia nuts, almonds, some seeds. Uh, and this is where the bulk of my calories came from. I was also eating uh, coconut products like uh, coconut meat, uh, coconut cream and all that stuff uh, and some dark chocolate. I also ate leafy green vegetables, like you said, olives, shirataki pasta or konjac pasta, and I can't remember what else. What was the, what was the pasta again? Uh, it's shirataki or konjac pasta, and uh, maybe we'll get into it later. So uh, first off, that's a, a very low carbohydrate type of pasta. It was really, really difficult to get protein in. Uh, I was eating a lot of food, uh, volume speaking, but I was actually able to get in only about 40 to 50 grams of protein per day at most, which is kind of ridiculously low for a person my age and uh, my uh, size. Mm -hmm. That wasn't right. And I was actually only doing it two or three days per week for a couple of weeks. Uh, but I guess it, it, it's hard to say it's sustainable because you could, you could probably get into developing nutritional deficiencies if you do it over the long term. Like, for example, uh, B vitamins, zinc, carnitine, uh, creatine, omega-3 fatty acids, uh, EPA and DHA, which are really important for health. You'd kind of have to supplement with all of these uh, if you want to try doing it over the long term. I have some virtual friends uh, who are vegan keto, but again, I think it's, it's kind of hard. It's not impossible, but it's, it's hard. I personally, like I've tried to be vegetarian for half a day and you know, it didn't, didn't really work for me, but I, I completely agree with everything you said. And in particular, some of the nutrient deficiencies that people develop. So long as you're aware of it, I have no problem, but there's people out there that just do this blindly and don't think about what they're doing to their body in terms of nutrient deficiencies. So um, I want to acknowledge you for making people aware of that. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Before I, I want to swap some questions here, but what keto foods do you wish people would stop using? Uh, well, you probably know the first answer, right? So it's uh, the fat bombs. And I shouldn't be too critic or maybe overtly critic about this because you could maybe you could find some ways uh, to get them inside your diet if you really want to do it. So, uh, for example, for someone who wants to gain weight or have uh, and they have difficulty getting their calories in or meeting their, their daily caloric intake, eating some fat bomb might have some uh, might be appropriate, but First off, I would avoid them. Uh, also, other foods uh, that I would avoid would be the keto junk foods. 
and uh, I call these junk foods uh, because they are highly processed and it kind of beats the purpose of the simple ketogenic diet which starts with whole foods and should probably end with whole foods in terms of these uh, these uh, uh, keto junk foods you right now uh, with the blossom of the ketogenic diet uh, you have keto breads you have keto bars you even have keto oatmeal that seems like an oxymoron right there it's nonsense <laughs> let's be honest uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, talking about the shirataki pasta that I mentioned earlier uh, this might be a processed uh, ketogenic food but it can be useful to a lot of people uh, this is a, a type of uh, this is a type of pasta or noodles you can have shirataki pasta noodles rice and all the forms you can think of they are basically made of 97% water and 3% fiber a legit shirataki or konjac pasta can be a good fit in someone's ketogenic diet because they are almost entirely made of water and they have some highly absorb absorbable fiber which is the konjac fiber so you only need this little fiber and that much water to create a uh, product it's to be honest it's not like real pasta but it can get quite close if you know how to cook it mm -hmm. uh, now there are a lot of uh, shirataki pasta that are crap that have uh, a lot of ingredients that aren't necessary like tapioca starch sweeteners and other non not needed uh, ingredients but a good, for example, if you talk about shirataki pasta, a good legit shirataki pasta should only have water, konjac fiber, and calcium hydroxide for preservative purposes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, like I said, focusing, uh, focusing on real food uh, for the bulk of the diet. That's probably... I mean, for me, it's just, it's so simple, right? Like if people ate real food, rather than continually seeking out these ingredients that I don't stand a chance at pronouncing, uh, <laughs> it would be like your life would be upgraded for the majority of people. Now, if you're in that 80% or above realm, you kind of need to be more specific, but like it's a very simple advice. So thank you for, for sharing that. Okay. Yeah. Fin final question, Christy, what's your current opinion on the ketogenic movement? Because this looks a little bit like Bitcoin uh, last year. <laughs> and, you know, what, what is, what's your current opinion of it? Is it overblown? Are we going in the right direction? I want to hear from you because you're the expert. Mm, I'm not. Um, well, so I guess you could say that our, there's more than one keto movement. I guess there are many keto movements. Like, for example, uh, we have the keto carnivores. We have the vegan keto that you just mentioned. You have high-protein keto. You have people doing IIFYM keto, which is if it fits uh, your macros. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess that's not really a bad thing. Uh, I guess anyone can find their place uh, within this keto space, if I can put it that way. Back when I started the ketogenic diet in 2013, uh, I actually never thought it would go this big. Things were much simpler back then. But as uh, the diet kind of caught on, 
you have all these uh, industries pushing keto products, keto junk foods uh, that have flourished. These have flourished over the past few years. Uh, that's, uh, that's kind of normal, I guess, but it's not okay. We should, like you said, like I said, we should focus on foods that we can cook, on real foods and uh, not on keto bars with uh, a bunch of sweeteners in them so uh, i guess it's it's in our power to dictate the direction of the keto movement and yeah that that's kind of it christy thank you again for sharing all this information i know there's a lot of keto people out there and there's a lot of keto people that listen to this show and every time you come on you always enlighten us further about how to approach this diet in a smarter more effective way so again, I want to acknowledge you for all of the, the work you've put into this field and with yourself. Uh, as a fellow self-experimenter, it's always fun to look at what other people are doing. And some of the work you've done recently around ketone esters as well as the keto carnivore have uh, really piqued of interest for me. So you know maybe I'll be picking your brain on those ones soon. But thank you again, Christy, for taking the time. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Boomer. And to all the superhumans out there listening, have an absolutely epic day. And remember, as always, choose health. Superhumans, before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of your favorite podcast listening platforms, and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It would really be appreciated. And then finally, for those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there, and if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. Superhumans, have an absolutely epic day, and remember as always, choose health.